Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. You see, when we read the little middle verse here, of verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. We see so much that the Lord has done in this assembly here over the last year. He has set the captive free. He has saved souls. He has healed bodies. He has baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he has also enabled us to see people baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. We have been able to see God's mighty arm made bare in many different ways and in many different things. And surely, even as a congregation, you and I could say this evening, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. All the things that we have, all the people that have taken part, the things that we have seen even this evening, it's the Lord's doing. It's not of me and it's not of any, anyone else, but it's all of him. The marvelous work of God. You see, tonight, just for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the words simply, Marvelous Jesus. Marvelous Jesus. Ken, why would you call him marvelous? Because he is marvelous. Everything about the Lord Jesus Christ is marvelous. He is a marvelous God who does marvelous works and marvelous things. And this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Do you know the term marvelous works? Marvelous works is mentioned in six verses of the King James Bible. Six verses. I say the King James because I don't count any other. But anyhow, it is mentioned in six verses of the King James Bible. And in that we find, first of all, we'll not go through them all, but we find in First Chronicles chapter 16 and in verse 12. It says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Notice, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. And notice this, it's speaking of Israel coming out of Egypt, slavery, bondage, servitude, needing deliverance and set free from their captivity. A captivity that seemed so long and seemed to take forever that God was never going to answer, nor God was never going to set them free. They were never going to have this special deliverance ever, ever. But yet God came in miraculous power, in sign and wonder, and He delivered them through the Red Sea from under the blood of the Lamb. And He brought them out the other side on dry shod. And when he brought them out, they praised the Lord. Psalm 105 says exactly the same words as this verse. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Notice here speaks of the deliverance of not only national deliverance of Israel, but deliverance of God's people. Maybe you're going through something, or maybe you've been going through something. Maybe you've had a testing time, a time of temptation. 
Maybe you've been even like the youth showed us, well, all these burdens that have been hanging around your neck, and you're wondering, is there any time I'm going to be delivered from this? How long, O oh Lord, maybe you're saying, Lord, is there ever a time that this is going to be broken off me? I'm going to be set free. Well, I want to tell you this evening, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the Lord Jesus Christ can set you free sitting in your seat tonight. He can set you free from all of these things that bind you. Notice he is a great deliverer and it's marvelous works that he performs. Not only is he a great deliverer, but he has marvelous declarations. The judgments of his mouth are marvelous. The word of God is great. God said that he was passing through Egypt. And he says, this night, if you put the blood upon the doorposts and the door lintels of the home, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You know, this tells me that those who are under the blood of the Lamb, those who are under the blood of Christ, those who are trusting in the finished work of his blood, there's deliverance for you under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe someone here is saying, I have never come under the blood. How do I get under the blood? Well, the blood may be as it were shed, which it was at Calvary. But listen, it must be applied. Israel weren't told to put it in a bucket. They weren't told just to leave it there. They were told, apply the blood. Friend, I have to ask you, have you applied the blood to your life? Have you applied the blood to your soul? Have you applied the blood to your heart? Have you applied the blood to your family? Have you applied the blood to all of your life and everything in it? Because it's only under the blood that you're going to find the deliverance that you need. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's as powerful today. One drop of the blood of Christ is more than enough to set the captive free, to save you from your sin. The blood was freely shed that you might go free. Notice the marvelous works and the marvelous judgments of his mouth. Secondly, here's another one, Psalm 139. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Notice what the psalmist says here. I'll praise you. You know why, Lord? Because you know everything about me. You're marvelous working in me. You're marvelous creating me. You're marvelous knowing every intricate detail of my life and my heart, of my body, and everything I need is found in you, marvelous Jesus. Brother, sister, listen, everything you need tonight is found in the marvelous Jesus. Everything for your home tonight is found in marvelous Jesus. Everything you need for your soul tonight, unsaved person, if you're here, it's found in marvelous Jesus. Every trouble, every trial, every execution that's been against you, everything that's come, every hill, every mountain, every valley, every giant, it's all found in the victory through the blood of the Lamb and through marvelous Jesus. Does anybody here want to praise him because he has been marvelous unto them? Has he been marvelous to you? Then praise the Lord tonight. He is marvelous in every way, and he's marvelous in everything. He is marvelous and altogether wonderful. Notice there, fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works. Here, uh, the psalm says, that my soul knoweth right well. 
You see, the problem with many of us is this. We say we know. We proclaim that we know that everything that I need is found in Him for the salvation of the soul, for the healing of the body, that everything that I need is found in Him, that He can do wonders and great things that are past finding out for the one that's against me, for the one that hates me, for the things that I've been told, maybe the doctor's report, everything, brother, sister, friend, everything is found in him. He is marvelous in all of his ways. And marvelous Jesus is here tonight. And he wants to be marvelous to you and marvelous for you that you might go out of here knowing right well within your heart that without Christ you'll be lost and without Christ you'll go out the same way that you come in. Marvelous Jesus. Marvelous works. Marvelous Savior. Marvelous Christ. The marvelous God. Notice this. Thirdly, we find the last mention of this, the term marvelous works. We find it in Revelation 15 and 3, the redeemed, the saved. Are you saved tonight? Are you saved? Well, you know, I go to such and such a place. I didn't ask you that. I go to CET every now and again. I didn't ask you that. I go in to see you every Sunday night. I didn't ask you that. We asked you, are you saved? Are you saved? Well, I'm a churchgoer. No, are you saved? I spoke to a man who was talking to a minister just last week. Or maybe it was this week. And he stopped him and he asked him, are you saved? And the man, the minister couldn't answer him he couldn't answer him I want to ask you I'm not asking you about your church affiliation I'm not asking you where you go to I'm asking you are you saved are you saved by grace through faith trusting in Christ alone are you saved are you blood washed are you blood bought are you Christ's and do you know it? Does your soul know right well? Have you got that relationship? Listen, the word there to know, by the way, in the previous verse is this. To know intimately. To have it one-on-one. -on -one, like a husband knows his wife as they consummate a marriage together and live a life like that. It gives the idea of knowing your husband or your wife intimately says, my soul is intimate. Intimate with Christ. Has your soul been intimate with Christ? Has your soul been intimate with Christ? Are you saved? How do I get saved? How do I get saved? Well, here's what it is. Paul was asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here was Paul's reply. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. Here the redeemed, the saved sing in Revelation 15 and 3, the last mention in the Bible. 
It says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Great are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thy King of saints. Here's the last mention of those who have been redeemed, bought back, that is, with the precious blood of Christ. Here is the last mention in the Bible where are those who are standing in glory, standing before the Lamb of God, standing before Christ, and they are saying, oh, your works are great, and your works are marvelous. Jesus, you are the Lord God Almighty. That's who he is. What are the works then? The greatest works of God, creation, creating the heavens and the earth. That's a big work. What are the works, the marvelous works of God? Are they when God uh, formed the animals and Adam in the garden and all of this? That's a good work. What are the works of God? Is it what he's done here even in CET in the last year, filling out the house and doing wonders that we never expected? That's a great work and we appreciate it. But the greatest work is this. It was sending his beloved to the cross. The greatest work was this, that the Son of God went to the old rugged cross. And there he shed his most precious blood and died for you. Now listen, if he done that work for you, don't you think that you'll be in glory? Don't you think you'll be with the saved? Don't think you'll be in his heaven or his kingdom? You'll be with the redeemed. Don't you think you will without trusting and coming under the precious blood of Christ? How are you going to end up in glory, Ken, when you're asked, how did you get here if you're asked that? What are you going to say? I'm going to stand and just say, saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. I have no other plea but Christ died for me. I have no other plea. I haven't got a plea of a denomination. I haven't got a plea of my works or anything else. I haven't got a plea of anything great that I have done or anything I've become it isn't of mine own self the only plea I have is your great work father you sent him to the cross and he bore it all for me just as we've seen the youth with all of these things the names all of all those different things in our lives much more than that even he takes my sin the nature of who I am and he hangs it on his son in his own body on the tree and he sheds his blood that I and you might be saved. So here friend, will you be? Will you be with the redeemed? Will you be with the saved of God? Will you be with the heavenly choir singing the wonderful song to him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood? To him be the glory forever. Amen. Will you be there? Will you be amongst the heavenly throng? Will you be amongst the redeemed? Are you saved? The works of God are certainly, surely, and truly marvelous works. Listen to what old Job says. Job 5 and 9. He doeth great 
things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Listen, see when God comes into your life, he changes you. He changes you. I spoke to a lady just last week, sitting at a bedside of a loved one who was dying, witnessing him under her. And the problem was, I like my drink. Just a wee drink like. And I like my cigarettes or whatever it was. And I says, oh no. But when you come to Christ, he changes you. He changes you from the inside out. He changes your desires. He changes everything that you thought that was good and everything that you wanted. He changes you. He, he makes it that even the thought of it. Listen, you're talking to an ex-alcoholic. Always an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. No, Christ has set me free. It's a difference. A drug addict, once a drug addict, always a drug addict. No, Christ has delivered me from the very depths of the things you've seen the children putting their, around their necks saying drugs and alcohol as they've done that little bit of drama. He has set me free from it. And he can set you free. For he, she, whom the Son sets free, they are free indeed. Christian, you're free. Do you know that? Does your soul know that? You're free. I can't give this up, Pastor. Yes, you can. In the power of Jesus' name, yes, you can. Yes, you can. David calls the loving kindness of God marvelous a loving kindness. Marvelous loving kindness. It's not just loving kindness, it means marvelous a loving kindness. It gives the idea of one coming and stooping right down into where you are. Did you get that? It gives the idea of one who comes and stoops right down into where you are, right into your pit right into this world of sin and shame. He came right into where I was. He came right into where you were. He came right into where you were, brother, you were, sister. And listen, if you're not saved, he has come right down to where you are. And his word to you is, I can set you free. I can raise you up. And I forgive you of your sin if you just trust in me. So let me finish with a little thought here. In Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Verse 22, we see the rejected Christ. The stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. You may say, now, how is that? Jesus, would you know in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus refers that to him. Also in Acts chapter 2, and it's in Ephesians also, Peter mentions it too in his epistles. That he is the stone that's rejected. Stone that's rejected. And when he came, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees, uh, they told the people to reject him. Reject him. He's like this stone that was rejected at the building of the temple. And now they're saying, he's coming to build a temple that is his body. Reject him. Reject him. 
Am I speaking to someone tonight and you've rejected Christ for many years? Am I speaking to someone and you've rejected Christ many times? Am I speaking to someone and the gospel has been presented to you very clearly and you've rejected marvelous Jesus? Here he is, the rejected Christ in verse 22. Then in verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. What do you mean, Lord? Now, we sang it this morning. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Notice, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord Jesus is saying, look, see how they're going to reject me. God prophesies of it almost 1,000 years before in the psalm. Jesus comes along and says, they're going to reject me. And listen, they reject him. You might say, well, that's a failure in his part. Do you know that even the Pope said at one time that Jesus failed at the cross? Jesus failed at the cross. That wasn't so long ago. Well, I want to tell you something. No, this was the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Marvelous Jesus went to the cross. Marvelous Jesus came to go to the cross. Marvelous Jesus took our sins and bore them in his own body upon the cross. Marvelous Jesus came that you and I might be set free and saved for time and eternity. Marvelous Jesus. Notice this. He's not only marvelous Jesus, he says, this is the day. I want to just throw something your way there. Now, there's a little prophetic telltale in there. I haven't time to go into that tonight. But there's a time scale in Daniel, and this is what he's speaking of. But listen. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed to be tried and crucified, we're told that he sang in him with his disciples in the upper room. And when he sang the hymn with the disciples in the upper room, it's believed to be the great Hallel as it's known, or the Hallelujah Psalm. For example, Hallelujah Psalm is the Hallel, the praise of Yah, or God. And it said he sang this great Hallel, and it's, it, it is the, the Psalm, most say Psalm 113, Psalm 118. Some say 15 to 18, but more than likely Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Now, I notice Jesus is with his disciples, and he's about to go to Gethsemane to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be battered. He's going to be bruised. He's going to be marred more than any man with his very beard plucked out of his face. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be scorned. He's going to be manhandled. And the blood's going to be pouring from him. He will carry his cross down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem, the sorrowful way, and he will go up Golgotha's hill. There he will be kneeled hand and foot. Of course, he has a crown of thorns upon his bride. Now, before that happens, he sits in a room that night. And he starts to praise his father. And he starts to sing, and coming up to Psalm 118, he would have sang this, This is the Lord's doing. Calvary is the Lord's doing. 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. We will go, oh, Jesus, please don't go through all of that. I'm glad he did. Then he says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, listen, there's times we've come into church and it's been raining outside and someone's maybe had a wee gripe about the rain and they're soaking wet and they come in like this and oh, soaking outside and to cheer someone up and just to remind them that they don't go into a, a, a spiral of grumpiness, we say, brother, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> That's not what it means, brother, we do say that. This speaks of a day and eternity which was marked in time. It was a day when Christ would be arrested to go to the cross. And here he now says, Father, eternity has waited. Time has passed. And now this is the day which Yah or Yahweh, Jehovah hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And there he would leave to go to Calvary's tree for you. Next time you're singing, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We sang it this morning, it was great. But next time you're singing it, remember, this speaks of Calvary. I finish with this. Thank you for your attention. And notice what it says here in verse 25. Save now. Jesus is going to the cross to shed his blood. This is 1,000 years almost before he goes. The spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus, and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And notice what he says, Save now. I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Now before we go any further, this doesn't mean send forth my prosperous jet plane. This doesn't mean send forth my mansion, O God. It doesn't say fill my wallet with money full to overflowing on my bank account the same. It's an affront to the cross. The word here for, pro for prosperity, it means to come mightily and make progress in that which you have sent me to do. Send the prosperity of the Holy Ghost. You know what that means? Drive us on in thy will, O God. Drive me, Father, into the place where the cross is. Drive me through Jerusalem and drive me up Calvary's hill. Listen. I know God blesses. Don't you get me wrong. He's blessed me. I know God bless us. I have no problem with that. But I can tell you, God will find it an affront to many who are coming with the gospel to sell it as merchandise, as you said last week. To sell it as merchandise. Because this speaks of a precious time which was ordained in glory. This speaks of the Father watching his Son bear away your sin. This speaks of a time when the Father would see him in agony and bleeding and beaten upon the cross. 
That's the prosperity of the Holy Ghost for us. He did it all. He cried, it is finished. It is finished. And a rotten, filthy, guilty, hell-deserving sinner like me can be forgiven of all my sin and can enter into the redeemed, the place where we will sing, Marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Now you know why he's called, or why I've entitled him, Marvelous Jesus. A marvelous Jesus. In verse 26, he says, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Remember when Jesus was going into Jerusalem? They took down the palm leaves. He started waving them in the way and throwing their coats before him. Do you remember that? Remember it says this, they started crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Do you remember that? You know what they were saying? Just like the first Messiah said, Save, O God. Hosanna means save. Save, O save. Baruch Abah, B'Shem Adonai, is what they were crying in the Hebrew tongue. Oh, save Jesus. And then they realized by the week was over, he was the rejected stone. But this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes, for he was rejected. Why? That we might be saved. Amen. That we might be brought in. Amen. That the gospel would come to us. And we would hear of the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the keeping power of the Almighty God. Friend, I know, listen, I don't care if you grew up the most loyal Protestant in Ulster or you grew up a Roman Catholic. I don't care. I don't, I don't care where you say it. It doesn't matter if you said to me you grew up in the Jewish synagogue in Belfast or you grew up in some uh, other uh, place of worship. It doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter. This is what we're saying. I'm not looking to see what color of skin you are or what nationality you are. This is what matters. Have you been under the blood? Are you saved? That's what matters. Are you saved? Let's just spend a word of prayer for a moment. Let's not have any movement just for a moment. We'll be finished in two seconds. Are you saved? Are you saved? God will be looking for the blood. He's not looking for who you are or what you are. He's not looking how rich you are or what you have got. Are you saved? Are you trusting in Christ alone? By grace alone? Through faith alone? In Christ alone? Are you saved? If you're not saved... And you would like to be saved, and you know you need to get saved. On this evening, when you've come in and heard this word, and you go, I, I need Jesus. I'm not right with God. I want to be. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, no one's watching, only me and the Lord.